Welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I'm Eva Lansart, a professor in civil engineering and blogger on the side. And I am Sarah Cameron, PhD student and work in organizational psychology. In this podcast, we talk about PhD research and interview current PhD candidates, as well as those who work closely with them. We hope you'll stick around. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Talk podcast. This is episode 71, and today we'll be interviewing Harsha Shilam. She's currently a PhD candidate at IFHE University, but she does much more besides being a PhD candidate. She has her own business. She has written children's books and juvenile fiction books, and she is also a social worker and business graduate. So with that very brief introduction, uh, Harsha, I would like to ask you, can you tell us a bit more about your background and your career path? I have done my uh, schooling from a convent. So they were a couple. They flew down from Italy about... Uh, it. I, our school was founded in 1876. So um, they didn't have children. So that's the purpose for which they started off with our school. So coming from that kind of an environment, we were taught to be very disciplined. And we, we were always... So once one of the teachers there, she told... Uh, everybody that you make sure that in your life you at least have one achievement per year and I took that very seriously at that point and I had made sure since then that that stays constant so when I went on to pursue my um, UG my bachelor's that's when I began writing that's when I I had that, um, you know, I, I it, my interest was driven towards writing. So I started writing for magazines and blogs and um, uh, marketing agencies. So that's how I came closer to my yeah. subject area, which was marketing. And I also try to understand my uh, skill of writing. So and in magazines also, I was not restricted to only one subject area. I spoke on politics and economics and fashion and there was everything. So it kind of touched upon all the interests that I had, you know, back then when I was like 18, 19. And then soon after that, after my bachelor's, I... I always had an interest in children's books and I did feel that there is a need to look ahead uh, because as a child I wanted something more than just fairy tales. One day I had come across a woman on Facebook. She was asking for recommendations for her child, her um, colored child with curly hair so that the child is able to accept the color and the curly hair. So then I understood that parents are looking out for something unconventional, something which is not traditional. And I kind of, I then I kind of felt the need to write these unputdownable stories so that children today who are exposed to so much of mass media are able to uh, understand and accumulate these kind of things, and they're able to fit in, though they still have to stand out. So that's the thing, you know, that's the reason why I wrote those stories. Um, then soon after, when I was pursuing my master's, I my interest towards research uh, had started off. So that's when I started writing columns and editorials and expressing my views in those newspapers. And uh, soon after, I joined for my PhD. <laughs> 
that's about it. And could you tell us a little bit more about what your research focus is in your PhD? Yes, uh, since I belong to the Department of Marketing and Strategy, so um, because I started off with my research back in my, uh, when I was pursuing my master's, I didn't have much of guidance. You know, uh, I did what I you know, I was driven towards. I did not have anybody to tell me that this is how you are supposed to do research, or this is what you're, or this is what you're going to read and write, and these are the papers you have to refer to, and you know, all of that information. There was nobody to give it to me at that point in time. So whatever I did at that time was on my own. So that time I started off with working on chemicals, and and related that with the hospitality industry. So I kind of uh, found out. More about these chemicals I was looking uh, at that from a marketing perspective from the distribution perspective so there are a lot of chemicals that um, uh, like these are the non-commercial ones these are the toxic chemicals so that we are talking about so I was looking at those toxic chemicals are still used by commercial organizations so how what are the costs incurred over there uh, and also you know how the distributors are competing with one another so those are the things that i had touched upon at that point in time and also because of my own experience with uh, publishing i had published few of my books through self publishing so because so i conducted this action research where my, i myself was a part of that research as a participant as an observer of the research where i uh, you know i laid down a process where self-publishing authors can go about when they are marketing their own books so that way i understood that you know this is something that has been established and this is what works for everybody in the self-publishing industry so i had recruited a lot of participants from the self-publishing industry to be a part of that and then soon after i worked towards rural and agriculture as well and uh, following that, uh, I have done some work in the waste resource industry, which is one of my favorite because uh, it's it talks about sustainability. There, are, there, there is there, Singapore has started off that wherein the factories they are converting this polluted air into pure oxygen, which is it's like a waste to a resource. In India, in the rural areas, they are rearing silkworms. Then, uh, uh, you know, they, they are uh, through feeding them mulberries. And these mulberries are, uh, you know, they are grown using swage water. So the swage water is actually a waste that goes into, uh, you know, planting these mulberries. And these mulberries are giving to the silkworms and that is used to make silk, like pure Kanjivaram silk, like any Indian would know that that is the purest form of silk and it's very beautiful. So um, that is, you know, that is where this industry is going. So I've you know, worked upon that as well. And uh, there is one interesting research uh, for which I had got this best paper award, which was on superheroes. But the thing that we do not look at in superheroes is back in the day when Superman had all started. I mean, are you guys Marvel or DC fans? Like, which side are you go? <laughs> which side are you guys on? <laughs> I fall in the middle. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> what about you? I don't think I've ever watched any of 
the movies or read any of the comics. So I think I I fall outside. <laughs> But you do know Superman. I know him from the toys that my daughter plays with. Yes. <laughs> so Superman, he originated in the 1930s during the Great Depression. and they and they actually started off with this character so that people will have something comical to deal with a major crisis so superman as a brand has gone through and he has seen everything in happening in the external environment so we are trying to understand then what is the impact of the external environment upon these brands 9/11 i guess everyone is accustomed to that so after the 9/11 attacks there were a few of the arab characters that were uh, you know the the lines were changed you know the the perspective towards them had changed because of these things happening in the external environment so that's how it happens in the bra- with the brands as well the actual brands the external environment impacts them so that's one thing that i was looking at over there so i guess that's why it it did well yeah that's that's very interesting so you you've um, researched quite a number of different topics mm. can you tell us a bit about the methods that you've been using for your research uh initially for the chemicals paper i had actually uh, conducted an anova to see if there is any difference uh between um, you know the importance that one is giving to the quality the price of these chemicals and then uh, the, this paper regarding the superheroes we are conducting a multidimensional scaling so in multidimensional scaling we are trying to understand what are the perceptions of the customers of the audience towards these superheroes which are now we are interpreting them to be brands so that is one methodology that uh, we have used and in another one of my working papers we are looking at constructing a scale so basically uh, it is a construct so uh, construct is something like uh, you know it is an observation that i have made it's there in my environment it's a phenomenon so i have given it a name and i want to see how i'm going to measure it like what are the dimensions of these construct what are the characteristics of these construct so i'm trying to define something i'm trying to uh, you know get a conceptual definition of something so that is one thing for that i probably might have to do a structural equation modeling to uh, to measure it empirically uh, or a factor analysis as on a preliminary basis so that's something that i would you know be requiring to do so um yes that is uh, and i have already told about action research which was a part of one of the of the self publishing paper and uh, i do believe in qualitative research as well so i actually made a note of these two qualitative uh, you know papers that are very interesting for anyone who wants to go you know qualitative uh in the sense like making observations or you know uh, you know uh, getting interviews done trying to get you know verbal information instead of numerical data like non metric data so there is this paper um for anyone in the marketing domain that is given by uh, hudson and ozane it is about the alternative ways of seeking knowledge in consumer research and it has a list of methods that one may use to you know conduct consumer research also there is another paper by glyzer et al that 
is talking about process theorization. So what happens generally in research that uh, researchers tend to, uh, you know, quote in the literature a lot of research. They try to understand from the prior research a lot of things, but they forget to understand it empirically. What is the empirical interpretation of that prior research? So process theorization, not just in marketing, this can be applied in any domain. You need to understand what is the interpretation of the empirical evidence that one is getting from the existing research to be able to fill in the gap. So that is what process theorization talks about. So that's some of the methodologies that I've used. And you're one of, if I'm not mistaken, one of our first guests on the podcast um, doing their PhD in India. So I'm wondering if you could tell us, well, first a little bit about uh, your PhD program and then if that's typical for other programs uh, in India. Um. Generally, there is this timeline. Uh, we some universities have, um, you know, they have to finish off their PhD within three years. Some uh, get a timeline of four years, uh, and also uh, there is a coursework. That is one thing which is very, uh, very common. But again, the duration of the coursework it is, uh, it varies with the university. Some universities have no coursework at all some have about six months some have for one year we had for one year so in our coursework we basically read some minor papers relating to our subjects and it is very interesting because we gain a lot of knowledge and uh, yeah it does give us a uh, upper hand because obviously we are learning something new um you know right after our masters or even after a few years in the industry this is something completely new that we are going to come across in those seminal papers so that is so coursework is really helpful and after that then there is the regular um, you know there is a the regular milestones of proposal defense and then thesis and the seminars the progress seminars so all of that is then the similar for everybody how far are you at this moment in your phd journey I just complete. I had completed my coursework about six months back, and uh, after our coursework, we have this uh, qualifying interview or the qualifying examination. It is also known as the comprehensive exam. Um, so uh, that just finished off for us. Uh, uh, so I just cleared my qualifying exam. So I'm one and a half years down in my PhD. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Thank and you. what would you say you've, you've learned so far in your PG journey? Now, um, like on a personal level, I have learned patience. Like it's very important to stay patient. Also, uh, one thing that I've always known since before my PhD is that you will never be fully knowledgeable and fully learned. There's always something new to know and new to learn. So you have to keep yourself open to opportunities and, and you know, not like restrict or constrain yourself to only one thing. Um, uh, the reason why I find it very interesting to work on these different topics is because I get to learn so much. I've also worked on ports, something that I have missed out on. So there are all these ports all across the world. And uh, that I kind of looked in uh, with respect to India, like how India uh, and how the foreign ports, what is the difference between them? Uh, and I looked at it from the policy measures that are, are they following those policies and what they can do? What are the improvements that India can make? 
so um it's very interesting when you come to read all of this and uh, when you try to get so this is what i like about phd journey you get to learn a lot you are you get to stay patient and um, i think uh, it gives you a lot of experience at um, you know uh, say, staying adept with everything and to be able to adapt to different kind of situations there are a lot of challenges that uh, i have personally met in those one and a half years even if, even though it's such a small time it's such a brief period there's still you know so many challenges in that brief period so that's something that um, i've learned throughout this phd journey i mean you got to stay strong <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. Um, and you mentioned earlier that one of your papers has won a best paper award, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you could just tell us um a little bit more about the award and what you think contributed to that uh success for you. Um, so like I earlier had mentioned regarding the superhero paper. So for that paper, I had conducted a multi-dimensional scaling. So I was contributing to the literature of the superheroes. I was contributing to the literature of brands. I was uh, contributing to the literature of uh, multi-dimensional scaling in the sense that uh, nobody has viewed in that kind of a methodology. Nobody has incorporated brands. So there was, uh, so there is, there are a lot of implications, theoretical implications, because we were, uh, we are looking at interpreting, uh, because whenever we do, uh, we apply any empirical methodology, we uh, kind of uh, stand back uh, to uh, while we are trying to em- uh, interpret our empirical results. But what we wish to do is whatever results we are getting from our methodology, we want to interpret them and we want to align them with the superheroes in today's world. Uh, you know what is the significance what are the perceptions of the uh, people towards them so we are not only looking at um, that but also there are certain variables like feminism hyper masculinity like why are all these superheroes have this hyper embodiment they are all muscular like what is the reason behind that so are you trying to say that people who do not have muscles they are not superheroes like the normal people there is uh, superheroes have an alter ego like clark kent is the alter ego of superman but the love interest of clark kent calls uh, him a coward although when she meets superman the love interest calls him uh, you know a superhero like the man so what does that mean like when you are sober when you are you know all you you have a demure so uh, does that does that make you less of a man and uh, the same goes with women all these uh, all the women also have a hyper embodiment the way you know the, the way they are covered in latex um then also the representation of um, people in these uh, you know in the superhero movies so all of that which have not been empirically measured before are also being measured empirically that is also what is the impact of feminism on the overall rating of these superheroes so that is again a major contribution that we are making over here so i guess that's the reason why um, you know th- this topic had stood out
though it seems to be very light hearted and you know it's very fun to to, to all of our respondents you know they had a fun time filling up the uh, survey form but then there is so much depth in this because it it comes straight from the 1930s to the present day because it's still active so i guess that is the relevance here all right harsha let's continue with some of the questions that we ask all our interviewees and the first one is what is your best piece of advice for phd students um like i, I mean i i I don't want to like give them any advice, but I would like to share that kind of experience that I had. To I like which I also tell to my juniors that you know you have very important to keep your notes ready, and uh, it's very important for you to uh, you know uh, go through like during the coursework at least because that's the stage that I have just passed so I can't tell much of something that's beyond that so I can say that you know keep your notes ready be patient and keep learning new things and don't lose out on opportunities so this is something that I'd like to say that's great and how would you or how do you set boundaries to your work as a PhD student um like initially i had it it had kind of taken a toll on me because i was really worked up i was reading way too much uh, because obviously there was a lot of there was a lot to cover so that is the truth it was a lot to cover but that kind of made me a little worked up because i was doing too much in very less span of time so um that i feel like you know i should have set a boundary over there because uh, you know the, it is a saying that phd is a part of life it is not life so that is somewhere we forget this because because we are at that stage of phd where for for each one of us it's very very important it's not something that everybody chooses on a regular basis it's it's something it it obviously stands out as a educational degree so yeah that's one boundary where uh, you know that i i felt that i should have set at that point in time another question that we ask all our interviewees is related to covid-19 and um i wanted to ask you so you you, if I understood correctly, you started your PhD in the middle of the pandemic. So how has COVID-19 impacted your um, your experience of the PhD? We are the very famous COVID batch. We initially we started off late. It was not even sure. It, it was not sure for us if... Uh, uh, you know phd would happen that year as well and a lot of colleges did not come up with the notifications so at that point of time i was really worried and that's when my business also had happened which is byroot business solutions during that point in time itself where i had founded that uh, you know my uh, this partnership llp so um but then soon after because of the you know covid cases going down the phd had commenced and we had thoroughly gone online because even though there was you know there all of this had commenced still there were cases so we had completely one year of online program you know we did our phd online then soon after that we kind of subsided and we went on to the regular mode of having it offline but it a lot of things were pushed because of um, the covid so that really impacted 
you know, the PhD journey, a lot of things that would have been done differently if there was no COVID. So that's really very external. That you know, that was a really huge, but an external impact to our PhD. Yeah, I can imagine. And then, uh, last but certainly not least, I'm wondering what a day in the life looks like for you. So I wake up at around five forty-five every day. And then I have to catch a bus to my college. My college is basically about uh, two hours away from my place. So um, it so the bus comes at the stop. So uh, you know a lot of faculties also we all go in the same bus. So there are different routes for everybody. So that's um, two hours away. And then at college we check in. Then if anybody wants to head for breakfast, then we go for breakfast. And then after that, we sit at our desks. So we have these cubicles that have been allotted. And that's allotted only in our second year after we've qualified. Uh, so um, then we work on, uh, like everybody has different agendas for the day. Some are working on their papers. Some are working on their thesis. Some are, you know, studying the for their qualifying there are a lot of interaction with the juniors and seniors you know all of us we interact it is you know, there, there's no um uh, you know there is no uh, constraint in that way so then after that we break for our lunch then uh post that like um on fridays for instance you know we have the uh weekly meetings with our department so that's very interesting we also get a lot of um, not a lot but we do get some admin work to do so it kind of um, so we kind of need to balance out the admin work and also our academic responsibilities that we are having so also our regular interaction with our mentors and uh, you know all the faculties whom we are involved with so we have a regular interaction over there and then again, we our day comes to an end at around six o'clock. Again, we head back, so I'm home by uh, seven thirty. Uh, by the time I'm home, I'm super tired. So I just so at the end of the day, I just prepare an agenda for what I'm going to do for the next day. So that's how it all comes to an end. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um... So with that, I really would like to thank you, Harsha, for joining us today and being our first guest from India. And uh, with that, I also would like to thank all our listeners for listening to today's episode. And we'll be back next week for more on PhD Life and Research Mechanics. <laughs>